Hey there, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited about our guest today and really excited about you being here. So be sure to subscribe. I want to make sure that you don't miss any episodes and they're really juicy and they're really great. And it's like a bird's eye view. You're like getting inside the conversation of me just really having an organic conversation with individuals that are superheroes and amazing individuals. And I'm so thrilled and excited that you're here. So today I'm speaking with Michelle Moore. So Michelle and I actually go way back, probably about 15 years. So the beginning of this conversation and at the end, you're going to hear so much love. Like we are literally swooning over each other. I, like most of the people that I'm connected to, make me feel that way. Absolutely love them. They fill my spirit and they give to me so much and I give that back in return. So just asking you, when was the last time you actually swooned over someone? You called them up and you shared so much love with them. So Michelle is a recovering perfectionist. I love when she says that, but she's a recovering perfectionist. She's a fierce, intense advocate and a coach. And she actually is certified as a neural transformational life coach. So you'll hear more about her. I am so thrilled that you're here to joining on this conversation. So listen in. I think back to, you know, when we first met and the way the relationship quote unquote was, it was always this kind of uh, student's conversation that you and I would be having because I'd be learning from you just as much as you'd be learning from me. And so here you are as a coach. You are a neurotransformational coach. Yeah. Tell me what that is about because that's so interesting to me. Yeah. I think of you like a hug. That's, that's how I feel about you. And actually it's really cool. I'm going to answer your question, but it's really cool that you shared because I, I actually always looked up to you. One of the very first times that I ever, like the, that I have a clear memory of you is at the workshop there up at the lake, right? Where you were like speaking and you were in this, such a place of flow and your energy, right? Was so magnetic and attractive. And I just wanted to be like in your space. And I wanted to be like around you. Right. It was like, I want some of what she has. And it wasn't actually any of the tangible successes. There was an energetic thing that I have always felt with you and Mm. really connected with you. Yeah. So thank you, Michelle, because that's why I said student to student. Mm. I, I did feel that, but I always knew that I was always a student, you know, you know, in that place of leadership, quote unquote, you know, and so that's why I said student to student, because I, I know that part of the story, but I wanted you to know my part of the story. Yeah, I love that you shared it. And, and it's so much of what I believe in now, right, which is one of the things that I say a lot is I'm just guiding while I travel, right? So I'm not done, like I'm just guiding while I travel. Uh, technically, and it's funny to hear you say it because I don't really use the terminology, like it's, it's what's on the certificates or whatever, but it's not how I would describe myself. But what it is that I think is really important is so many people try to wrestle with what they see at the surface, right? We try to wrestle with our behaviors. We try to just, you know, like buckle up or be more disciplined, right? Or, you know, figure out how can I develop a morning routine and, if we don't actually look at the human 
who's doing the behaving, then we're not really going to be able to make any long lasting or sustainable change. And I didn't want to just motivate my clients or inspire them. You know, I used to personal train and teach aerobics and and like you, because I've seen you in action, we can motivate a room, right? We can get them excited and we can get them lit up and passionate. But when that fades away, they're going to be left with their patterns. And I wanted to be able to help make changes in somebody else's neurology so that then the behavior change that they wanted to experience was actually going to be able to be done versus avoiding that and just right wrestling with what's at the, at the surface. I love that because essentially that was my pull or call forth Hmm. out of the transitions of my life. Most recently, you know, the ability to be able to support and coach people, but knowing that there was a less pragmatic way to do that, that would enable a more transformative way, at least for me, because there were so many superficial kind of results that wanted to be achieved or that needed to happen. But they, it's hard to be able to get external results without doing the internal work. And it's always this fight. It's always this constant kind of battle. Like I want this. I think I want it. I think I want it. And then you're like, okay, well you do a, B and C and you do, do, do instead of being, 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 and then you kind of like, you know, it's just like this pull and this tug. And so those who don't get it, don't get it. It's okay. And those who do are really excited about it and want to go deeper and want to do it. But this really speaks to me. And so can you share a little bit more about the neuro part? Because I'm interested to find out how that affects and why is it termed that way? Why is it coined that way by Sean Smith? Yeah, absolutely. Mostly because it's dealing with the brain, right? And we all have our our own like neurological pathways, right? That are coming as a result of our memories and our beliefs and our drivers and the traumas that we've experienced mm-hmm. in in our lives. And what he actually ended up doing when he created this brand was he ended up taking like various methodologies, right? So um, a lot of psychotherapy, a lot of just NLP work, right? Neuro-linguistic programming, as well as like just things that he learned through his own personal journey and, and created like his own signature brand of coaching because something that he says that I really love is that all attempts at behavior change are, are futile, right? If we don't address the complete and total human. So we have to be able to look at, like I said, the driver, our, our temptations, our addictions and our thoughts and our emotions and perceptions and our belief in our, our memories and actually be able to help people unhook that. So going back in and, and a lot of it, and I, I, sometimes I hesitate to say this because I think a lot of people do fear like dealing with the past because they don't want to get stuck there and they don't want to just be in that place of like continuing to, to play out the past. And the way I like to think about it is that like we go there to figure out when that moment was that like the and I'm not a scientist, so I'm going to put that disclaimer out. I might not be using any of these terms technically properly, but like this, is it the synapses? Synapses, Yeah. Yeah. Uh Where those, where they're connected, right. When we make, when something happens and we make it mean that 
that we're not enough or we make it mean that other people's emotional health and well-being is our responsibility. That's something that I did, right? So we have to go back to that, that moment and unhook that. And in doing that, like we can then be able to move forward and liberate ourselves. Because if I just try to wrestle with my people-pleasing behaviors here in the present, I'm going to tell you it's been however old I am, 40, whatever, 43, 42 years of just wrestling with it until I go and, and unhook from that moment. Yeah, I like that analogy of unhooking, because I do believe that past work, that inner work is so important. Because for me, what it's done is like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, there's a connection. Now I know why I do this or say this or think this or have this belief pattern, or this imprint. This is actually not mine. This was the experiences. This belongs to the experience. And so let me just go ahead and unhook it because I I choose and I desire to have a different way of experiencing life from this point forward. But mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, there's such um, resistance oftentimes to that part of it, which is like, do I really want to go in the past? It's, it's almost this sense of like, I don't even know if I can survive it. Like if I think about it, and I think go back to that time or that situation or that place where there was a trauma or an issue, can I even survive that? And if you have never quote unquote, felt like you've had a trauma, you can just go back to the time you were born. <laughs> you know, Like that whole process is traumatic for, you know, this newborn baby. And so I agree with you on that. It's like almost like if you can think of it as like there's a snag and it's hooked on something you got to unhook it in order to have it kind of like lay flat or to you know really encompass it so I'm excited that you said that and I also love the fact that you use the word liberation Mm. because that is truly what our search is right which is like freedom yeah for me it's like a next level of freedom like it's like a full unleashing And I want to add this. The other thing for me that I noticed in myself, and I've seen this in a lot of clients, so you could tell me if you relate to this. The other part of the resistance of going back there is because if I am responsible for the unhooking, Aisa, that means that I I hooked it. Yeah. And in for much of my life, I made that mean that I was wrong mm-hmm. and that I was at fault and that I was like to blame, right? That I did something wrong. And so a lot of the work that I do specifically with the women that I work with is recognizing there's a distinction between responsibility and fault. Those are not, by my definitions, those are not the same thing. And it's empowering to Absolutely. actually know if I hooked it, then I can unhook it. Because if somebody else, if my mom or my dad or you did it, then I need you. Like I need you to change. (laughs) How crazy is that? We already know how difficult it is to get someone else to change. Yeah, If you're in any type of relationship. Impossible. Impossible. (laughs) Don't know. Yeah, we'll just give you the answer. Right, right. Impossible. And so then I end up actually being a victim, right? Putting myself in that role of being a victim of waiting for somebody else. And so really being able to recognize that it wasn't to say I was at fault. I was a child. Mm. I did the best that I could. I made the right decision in that moment. However, that three-year-old decision is not serving this 42-year-old woman. That's right. That's right. That's where the, I think the work comes in. Yeah. And so this whole sense of guilt and shame, And this liberation from that. Oftentimes, I have conversations about how much guilt and shame is carried. 
you know, whether it's ours, ours or not, you know, there's this sense that's so heavy. You don't even know it's heavy, but there's a guilt and you may have transformed it. So it looks differently, mm. but there's also, there's always the reason why you decide to, you make a choice. And so is it a will choice? Is it a choice based on fear? Is it a choice based on, is it like a choice based on like, oh, I don't know, maybe, okay, I don't have any other choice, I'll do this. But how do you see liberation? And how do we liberate ourselves from guilt and shame? Can it be done? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do. What you said is one of like, I use my own words, but we don't even realize we get so used to wearing it that we don't even realize how heavy it is until we take it off. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we just, we mm -hmm. don't. And part of it is my belief is that it's so shame. And this, when I first started studying this, it blew my mind that we can start to experience it like as young as like two and three years old. Yeah. And so the distinction that I make between the two is that guilt is that's about our actions, right? Like something, a behavior that I did and, and shame is around who I am as a person. And I think that they're connected, right? Because we can start to feel shame from the guilt, but they're not the same. And I think it's what's really, really necessary is for us, number one, to recognize that the compassion mm. doesn't necessarily mean we're condoning That's right. the behavior. That's right. That's right. So I think those two things can live. I can understand the me that made the choice mm -hmm. and have compassion for her mm -hmm. and for the pain that she was in, in the moment and the need that she was trying to meet with the best of the awarenesses that she had and still say, I don't condone that behavior. Right. right. I think those two things can live. One of the first thing, what I work with clients on is just helping them to get really clear what the law is, right? Because I believe, right, you said that we all operate with unconscious laws, right? Like that a good mother should, shouldn't do certain behavior things, that a good student or a good wife or a good you know, husband should or shouldn't do certain things. And when we break those unconscious rules that we have, guilt is how we punish ourselves. Mm. And it's actually coming from a beautiful place because let's say that I believe that a good person is always on time right? Mm -hmm. And I was late to this appointment today. And if I beat myself up in your presence, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I feel bad so that I can preserve my image as a good person, mm. right? Because if I don't feel bad for being late, then I'm kind of a like a jerk, right? Like, so if I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I should have planned better. Right. I, and, and I just, you know, I'm just, whatever we say to ourselves, right. In the past, I don't do this so much anymore, but like, you know, I'm an idiot. I should have blocked out more time. I should have booked another time. And if I do that in your presence, I'm letting you know, Hey, Aisa, I feel really bad. Look, I'm a good person because of how bad I'm making myself feel, which is like, to me, it's such crazy logic, but that's mm -hmm. how we're operating. So what I want to know from myself when I'm working through this with me and, and with clients is what's the need or the desire mm -hmm. that you were actually trying to meet in the moment, right? So in the moment that you made that choice or did that thing, what's the need or the desire that you were actually trying to get met, right? And usually it's some sort of, I think like precious or childlike 
mm-hmm. right? Whether it's love or acceptance or, yeah. or validation. And then I also want to know what did she, like, what were the resources, right? That were available to you at the time that you made the decision. And in that, find some compassion for yourself. hundred percent. That's key. Yeah. And the other piece is what were the resources that you didn't have? Cause so often what we do, and I've done this uh, so many times I got like been there, done there, have the t-shirt, but what we do is that we use our current perspective, right. And we use our current awareness right? and we judge mm-hmm. like we use what we know now to judge the behavior of somebody who didn't have that information then. Right. That's right. They didn't know then what you know now. So what resources did I have? What resources did I not have? What's the need that I really was trying to get met? And what's the exception? Because honestly, every single rule has an exception, right? Every single rule has an exception. Okay. uh Yes. I'm loving this. Yeah. Right. So you can say that it's not okay to steal. Right. And and that's fine. And there might be a circumstance or a situation Maybe you're, it was going to be your children were going to starve. I get what you're saying. Right. So there's always something like an extenuating circumstance, right? Where this is never okay to do. And in this situation, it makes sense. And so if we can find there's an exception, then you can operate or I can operate under my rule of a good person is always on time. Right. Okay. I'm not even going to try to change that. Cause here's the thing. I'm not interested in wrestling with you with, for your beliefs, right? Like I'll lose if I'm your coach and you're locked in on, that's your rule. I'm not going to change that for you. So keep it. What's the exception. So a good person is always on time. Fantastic. Except when what? Right. And so it's very interesting because the first thing that comes up to, for me in that conversation is And then when we look at guilt and shame, or we look at shame, let's say, right, Mm because that could be for guilt, like, oh, I'm late for this appointment, or I didn't, quote, unquote. But when it comes to shame, that's usually or could be something that has been done to us, or something that, you know, we've experienced so trauma on some level, and there's a feeling that outside people outside of us have contributed to that trauma into that shame into that guilt. And so, you know, there's this sense of like, I don't even want to go there. I don't want to have to deal with the situation. And we start operating from that place instead of operating from a different place that gets us, you know, to a place of release. We operate from this, when the synapse happen, you know, when this trauma happened, that's where we react from. And so how would you suggest that when it has to do with other people, not particularly with yourself, but when it has to do with other people and things haven't been you know, when you look at the situation, you're like, oh, that was not a good situation. And there's so much anger. And then the shame comes out. And, you know, and that feels like that should be left alone because you can't change it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to have to deal with it, you know? And so this can be showing up late. This can be something that, you know, somebody did to me, or this can be trauma, you know, physical, sexual, you know, just trauma in general. And so it's oftentimes how we operate, you know, we see it playing out now as adults, you know, and what's going on in our world. It's very clear to me that, you know, most of us are not 
connecting with our truest self and that we're connecting with whatever trauma that we had in our life. hundred percent. I think most of us are walking around just in a state of like trauma response and we're reacting. And a lot of the times what we're reacting to actually isn't even the present we're reacting in the present to things in the past. In my experience, shame is not a, you know, there's not a, a magic like pill that I can give anybody or wand I can bop them on the head with. It's really understanding that like, this is a deep, like fundamental, like there is something like wrong with my worthiness. So the shame is how that belief is actually manifesting in the person. How it's showing up for you. Exactly. Right. So then it's actually more of a a symptom. Mm -hmm. And so I want to go like, where's the root cause, right? Mm -hmm. Where's, where is the first time, right? And a lot of this I do through like meditation um, Mm -hmm. or visual, like guided visualizations. Like when is the first time, like where, where do we feel that? That's right. We think it's all intellectual, but if we check in, we're, we're holding it in, in our, for women, I see it a lot. It's either in our hips, it's in our chest, it's in our Mm -hmm. solar plexus, right. In our Mm -hmm. abdomen, in our throat. Mm -hmm. Often, you know, we have so many thyroid issues and and health issues around those areas. cancer. That's right. Yeah. Cervical cancer. We have, I mean, yeah, we can go on. Obviously I see your face nodding. Um, So if we can look at where is that in our body and then really light it up, like let's draw some boundaries around it because I think that many people don't believe that this thing is part of them. Mm. they think it's all of them, right? This is who I am versus like, I have this like tumor, right? I have this thing that's lodged in my chest, right? That, that I can actually draw boundaries around and I can see that it's whatever the shape of a grapefruit and I can identify it there. Then that starts the process of disassociation. Mm. We're now right with a client. That's not who you are. There's this thing that's in you. Mm-hmm. And then now we can start to see the possibility of being able to unattach from that because we've identified and drawn boundaries around it. And a lot of times when I'm working with people, they don't want that thing in there and they recognize that the energy doesn't actually want to be in there. We've just gotten so used to carrying it right. that we think it's that we think it's a part of us. And so it can take more time. It doesn't have to, but it can take more time to like untangle that and recognize, okay, well, where did that start? So where's the earliest memory of you experiencing that thing in your body and helping, helping them really be able to look at that moment from this higher perspective, from this disassociated, right? Outside perspective to say, wait a minute, that child took on her mother's pain, that actually, to your point earlier, that isn't, that's not even hers. And if we can help them reframe that in that moment and then allow them to re-experience, because we can't change, I'm sure you know this, right? We can't change the things that happen to us, right? There's, they happen, but we can absolutely change the way that we're holding on to them. The meanings that we are, are making them, the meanings we're making them mean. Yeah. What we're making it mean. Yeah bring that back into the present and, and recognize like that was somebody else's story that I just picked up and put in my pocket. And that that's actually not, that's not mine. And then it's continual 
work and action and affirmation. And I don't necessarily mean affirmations, but constant and continual affirmation in the present of whether it's reparenting, which is a big thing mm-hmm. for, for me that I'm learning that, that I am practicing doing, uh, whether it's reparenting, whether it's, you know, really active and engaged like self-care and, and nurturing and what that really learning, what that means and, and going through that process of honestly, it's, I want to say reprogramming, but it's really like deprogramming, right? Cause yeah, all of because that- it's the truth of who you are. You're trying to get back to the truth of who you are. Bingo. The alignment of who you are in this process. It's like going back home. And you said that. And I am, I was like, yes, where is home? That's what we're all searching for. We're all on the same journey. We're all trying to do our best and really, you know, show up authentically. And so oftentimes, you know, we have situations, experiences, traumas that in life that kind of stunt that, you know, and so we're just trying to realign ourselves to get back in alignment to who we truly are, which is home. And that reparenting piece of it is, I would love to hear your definition of that, of what reparenting is as adult, as an adult, what that actually looks like. Is, can you just shed a little bit of light on that for the audience? Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is not anything that I'm, I'm like a, like a street expert, right? Like, I'm, <laughs> hey, listen, hey, listen, <laughs> let me tell you something about the street. The street is a good place to learn, right? And we can, we can get so much street smart um, yeah. from our experiences. But yeah, I, I can hear that. I feel that from even my experiences that like, yeah, this is all kind of stuff that, you know, I learned on the street. Yeah. This is learning process. This is not, I didn't take a course on it. I haven't studied. I'm sure that I'm using some kind of terminology wrong and I'm always open to, to reading and learning new things. Um, and I think it's important, you know, to know what works for me is just recognizing that I treat myself in the way that I was treated growing up. So I learned to put, you know, my needs after everybody else's, if at all, right? I just learned to tell myself to wait, to push myself harder, to demand certain things of me. And so in the process of looking at like, okay, how am I showing up in my life? Am I liking the experience of of how I'm showing up in my life? And I just, I wasn't, and I was mean, like really like vicious, hard on myself for, yeah, for, for years. And I mean, it, it was bad. I held myself in a place of just being un, like unforgivable and like mm-hmm. just, I mean, it was my like expert level self-abuse. And when I shifted from that, I moved into a place of being like loving and, and compassion. But the next level for me was recognizing I'm not nurturing mm-hmm. part of me, right? I, it's like, okay, so we did that. And now you should just be better right? Like you should just like do these things, right? Like, and I had to recognize in this new space of being, I'm like an infant, right? Like I'm like in this new arena, I'm like a newborn baby. And I wouldn't just throw a baby like and be like, (laughs) get it together. Like what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? Can't you eat? I'm really busy. I don't have time to feed you. And, and I recognized wow. that's how I was showing up in my life, right? It would be for yourself, for yourself, hundred percent. It would be right. three, four o'clock. I hadn't eaten anything. I hadn't done anything to care for myself right in that time. And I was just expecting myself to perform 
but I was like, I, I was new and precious. And so then it became like, how do I, I'm treating her the way that I learned how to, to be treated. Right. So that's okay. All good. I, I have compassion for that. And uh, to Maya Angelou, right. I'm learning better. So now I have the opportunity to do better. Right. So for me, it's holding those parts of me sometimes protected, right? Sometimes that's saying, no, I'm not taking my, my baby out of the house right now because it's not safe out there. And so sometimes that's me shutting down. Sometimes that's me saying no. Sometimes that's me sleeping in. It's learned. I've learned to check in with me. What does my body need? What do, what do we need right now? How does it feel to be this is from a friend of mine, Caitlin, right? How does it feel to be me right now? And what is it that you need? What is it that you, you want? And then honoring that, right? Giving that to her, whether that's sleep or physical touch or, or to go for a walk. And while like a parent, you can't always give in to your children in every single moment, right? Right. But you can say, all right, we're not going to play now, but at five o'clock, we're going to go in the yard together and then following through on that. And so for me, it's just been an, an act of checking in with myself, what my body needs, what my spirit needs, and then practicing giving that to her. And honestly, Aisa, choosing her above everybody else, everybody, everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's the key. I know for me, I can, I hear so much of what you're saying, this whole nurturing piece of it, but also this sense that, you know, what comes forth for me is that that's really the self-care. That is truly what self-care is about. It's the nurturing piece of it. It's not like Manny Petty, eyebrows done, getting your hair done, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you do that ex- ex- external, there really is a piece for us to be able to really savor, which is this nurturing piece and how can we um, support ourselves and nurturing ourselves. And like you said, saying, you know what, putting parameters, putting some guidelines there, but also allowing yourself to rest. You know, somebody had to write a book about the art of napping, you know, like, you know, napping is okay. You can take a nap. You can't, and you know, you're not unproductive and you'll be okay. And it's just set up so much in our society that there's so many have tos and there's so many things that you must do in order to be quote unquote successful. And I, I get it in in a certain degree, but it's not working for us anymore. Maybe 30 years ago, but it's not working now, you know, and people I think are gathering that this is the time that people have been the most intentional about getting support and help and really doing things from another place, intentionally building their businesses and growing themselves and doing the things that are most important for them. And so I agree with you 100% that this is really about self-care and nurturing. So how are you nurturing yourself? Maybe self-care is a little overused these days, but really how are you nurturing yourself? So I love that. Yeah. It's more feminine. Yes. And you know, it's <laughs> thank you for saying that. And so um, this is perfect because that's essentially, you know, when I decided to shift the podcast in January, it was really about honing in. So it essentially it was about uncovering the process of what it takes for us to shift and grow and turn, you know, pivot. And then I was like, you know what, there comes a time where it has to be honed in and kind of tweaked a little bit. And then this is where this feminine energy came in for me and how powerful that feminine energy is. Yeah. I mean, super powerful. And one of the previous episodes, I think it's episode 11 with Roshin Krushnik. And she talks about how we have 
taken away. We have moved away from the feminine energy so much so that we can't even recognize it. And when it shows up, we're afraid of it. (laughs) And we're just like, what? And so it was a really good conversation, but it really spoke about that. And so it's not female, it's feminine energy, Mm -hmm. you know, which is really important to know. And also really important to realize that in our femininity, there is so much power, you know, and there's so much that we can learn from for ourselves in that process. Absolutely. I kept thinking of an image of like, if there was a child, not my child, right? But just a child that came up to me on the street and they were hurting, right? I would get down like on their level. I would meet them where they were. I would comfort them. I'd make sure they had water if they were hungry, like food. I'd find out what was going on with them and I would be with them and love on them and really care for them. And I thought about myself, right? And and if I had run up to me on the street, right? The way that I had been treating me was more not masculine, but unhealthy masculine of suck it up. We don't have time for this. Get it together. Stop crying. Pull it together. We've, We've got things to do. There's a task list. Like you're needed. We don't have time for any of this stuff. And when I started to see that image, I was like, oh my gosh, like there's this part of me. And that's what the nurturing is that needs me to sit with her and just be with her as she is without trying to fix her, without trying to change her, without trying to make any part of it wrong, but just allowing that part to be. And and our power, the feminine is so deeply, is so deeply rooted right? I mean, it's so deeply, deeply rooted. And, and I believe right now, which is a, a bigger conversation than I'm, I'm sure we have time for. That's what this world needs. It needs. Right oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And that is another topic and another <laughs> episode. Uh, and I'm so grateful for your time, really, because it has been so I just love seeing your face. That's number one. And number two, I'm Likewise. just so grateful. I really am. I'm just totally in love with you, Michelle. I think you're an incredible human being. And I'm so grateful that you are here. And so thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love that you have this platform and that you're providing people just the opportunity to be connected in a way that's real and and authentic and just raw and kind of this unfiltered energy that really resonates with me. So I love it. You're magic and and powerful and divine. And I really feel very grateful and honored to be with you in this space. So like I said, lots and lots of love. And again, the question is, who have you shown that to? I encourage you today to pick up the phone and speak to one person and just share with them something that you absolutely love about them and that you enjoy and what they give to you in your life um, so that we can continue to share love and create more conversations around the things that make us feel good about each other. And so uh, what I loved most about what Michelle and I spoke about was this sense of unhooking and unhooking and hooking ourselves, so to speak, in certain situations and circumstances that have hung us up 
so to speak, and that we have been arrested in that time, place, and situation. And also, it gave me the opportunity to be really able to connect with her on such a deep level. So I'm so grateful. Her information is in the show notes if you'd like to reach out to Michelle. Thank you so much for being here and make sure you subscribe and we'll talk next week. Mm -hmm.